Hey guys, welcome to The View from the Front. My name is Stan, and I hope you're doing well from wherever you are joining us from. I'm really honored that you're spending a little time with me listening to the show today. Uh, not only means a lot to me personally, but it also means, it means a lot to me because I know that anyone listening to this show really cares about the, our country, and so that means a lot to me. We have a lot to cover in tonight's episode. I can't wait to get into it. But first, just in case this is the first time you've ever listened or heard my voice, let me tell you what the show is about. Every week, I try to do three things in every episode. First, I cover defense news and hotspots happening around the world that could affect our country. Secondly, I work to unite the nation and make you feel better and more optimistic about the country's future because it's probably not as bad as you've been hearing. Finally, at the end of each episode, I share some motivation and inspiration, because as you get older, it is easy to become diminished and pessimistic as you encounter all the hits and setbacks that life throws at you. I want to help you fight back against that. In all honesty, I feel that by the end of this show, you'll be a little better informed about our military, and the events happening out there that don't typically make the news. You'll be a little more positive about our country and its future. Finally, you'll be a little stronger emotionally and mentally. That's what my goal is, all while trying to unify our country, because our wide division and animosity toward each other is our country's greatest threat. So if you've been looking for a calmer, more optimistic news source, you've come to the right place. In fact, you may have come to just about the only place. Let's get started. The first story I wanted to cover in today's episode involves the deadly attack that happened against an American base in Jordan. Now, this has been all over the news, so I don't think you really need me to summarize it or go too much in detail on it since it has been, I think, about six days since it happened. But in case you're completely unaware, one of the reasons that this drone that was used by an Iranian-linked group got through the U.S. air defenses is that there was an American drone operating in the area at the time. And so some of the U.S. soldiers who were helping to defend the base with some of the anti-aircraft assets were confused. And so, unfortunately, an Iranian drone got through, hit a sleeping quarters, and three Americans were killed 30-plus wounded. Now, since all that has happened, President Joe Biden has said, as of today, I'm recording this on Wednesday, that he has made a decision on how America will respond to that attack. And he has vowed to hold, quote, hold all those responsible to account at a time and a manner of our choosing. Now, the interesting thing about this is that asked about whether he holds Iran responsible for this attack, since Iran has been supplying many of these groups. He said that, quote, he does in the sense that they're supplying the weapons to the people who did it. Now, a lot of Republicans have said this is the chance for the U.S. to really show some strength and attack targets inside Iran, but obviously the administration is concerned about a much larger widening of the war in the Middle East. So most, I've done a lot of research, and most of the analysts that I have read out there are not 
expecting any kind of attacks inside Iran. It would just absolutely risk too much of a widening of the war, which could involve even countries such as Saudi Arabia, which is a huge uh, rival of Iran. Most of the security folks I've read expect the attacks, which are probably going to happen relatively soon, possibly even Thursday as you're listening to this, but to be a, quote, campaign that will last weeks. Some of the targets, they're expected to be outside Iran itself, but they include strikes on potentially Iranian naval assets or ships that are out at sea or some of their patrol boats. Uh, They are possibly also going to potentially hit some oil platforms that Iran has in the Persian Gulf. Now, a little history lesson. Back in 1987, the U.S. attacked two Iranian oil platforms in something called Operation Nimble Archer. You can look that up if you want to find out a little bit more about it. It's also highly expected that the U.S. will use cyber operations to basically debilitate Iran and its ability to do some things. Now, we've used cyber, or I should say, the U.S. and Israel or someone in between has used cyber in the past to wreck Iranian efforts to create nuclear weapons. You may remember that many years ago. Basically, some type of malware or cyber attack was used. The machines started running too fast, and they were heavily damaged. So we've done cyber stuff in the past. That's expected to be a part of it. So we'll see what happens. But again, President Biden said the decision has been made. And so you'll see that in the coming days. Now, one thing I want to mention, if you haven't signed up for the email alerts, I obviously do a newsletter in addition to the podcast. Make sure you go to my Substack page, sign up for it. I'll try to shoot out some emails as some of this stuff starts to happen or as we learn more about what the potential targets will be. I always try to send stuff out when anything big happens. But if you haven't ever signed up for the list, it's absolutely free. Make sure you do so. And I obviously send links to other news sites. And I go way more into the weeds than most of the stuff you'll see out there. So if you haven't signed up, make sure you do that. The next thing I wanted to cover was I wanted to do just a brief update on the funding situation for Ukraine. That's obviously one of the biggest stories happening out there. And probably one of the biggest stories that I've been trying to cover since going back to, what, November, right? This seems like we talk about this a lot. So the latest on that is that the Republicans in the U.S. Senate are trying to pass a bill that would fund Ukraine along with Israel as a part of a border deal, which initially the Republicans insisted be a a part of any kind of Ukrainian funding. They wanted this back in November. Unfortunately, in the past week or so, former President Donald Trump came out and said he doesn't want anything passed, that it's a terrible deal. And so it has looked really bleak. Now, as I'm recording this on Wednesday, the pressure and the pushback against that position of former President Donald Trump has been pretty huge because the border is a big, serious problem on the southern part of the United States. And so you know, we're what? We're at the end of January. So to think that there would be no bill passed for nine or 10 months is a pretty big damaging thing that could end up hurting Trump. So it's a big gamble on his end. And I'm kind of dubious that the Republicans could stand up to that kind of pressure. On the other hand, they generally do what President 
Trump wants or former President Trump. So we'll see what happens there. But I did note, and I have in the Substack notes, that as of Wednesday night, there is some, apparently the pushback against former President Donald Trump has already begun to have some effect. And there is a chance that as early as next week, something could happen. Now in the House, the Speaker, Mike Johnson, has said that it will be dead on arrival. So we'll just have to see what happens there. But it will be hard for those Republicans campaigning next year to have voted down a a border bill and to also have vote down aid to Israel, which is very popular in the Republican Party especially, but then to also not support Ukraine. I just, I really struggle to imagine that not happening for six, seven, eight more months as the pressure builds, especially as you consider that Ukraine is already struggling with ammunition situations all along up and down its front line, which is 600 miles long. This is a major war. Also, a little bit of positive news is Hungary, who has been holding up 50 plus billion dollars of European uh, funding from the European Union, has shown, as of the latest news, that they're willing to potentially let through that funding as long as on a year-to-year basis they have some say-so on how much goes to Ukraine. Now, Hungary is heavily aligned with Russia and Putin, and they've been holding up Ukrainian funding from the European Union for weeks and weeks. I reported a couple weeks ago that the European Union had found a way to possibly bypass Hungary that really upset Hungary and got them scared of losing the power that they might have as they kind of get pushed to the side. And so now they're suddenly saying, hey, we're... We think we can let this aid through. So that's the latest news that's there. Might be just a delaying tactic or it might be a little bit of good news. But I think they did read the tea leaves and see that they were just going to get bypassed and have no power. So hopefully they're going to let up. And then hopefully maybe as the pressure and the pushback on the Republican Party continues to build, maybe something can happen with that big bill from the Senate Hopefully, maybe even as soon as something as next week as they can start to get, you know, some progress on it. It's definitely a big deal as you hear that, you know, there's like 100,000 plus people there. We're literally setting records on the southern border right now for people coming in. And the Republicans have really built this issue up for a year plus. So it's very hard to build this issue up as a very big deal and then do nothing when you have it on the table, even if the bill isn't that great. Although most people say the bill is pretty good for what it will allow the president to do. Regardless, it'd be hard to do nothing for the next, like I said, seven or eight months. We'll see what happens there. I did fail to add one more point. The CIA director wrote a great column about why failing to pass additional aid for Ukraine would be a mistake of, quote, historic proportions. And in it, the CIA director made a really good point, which is that Vladimir Putin has done a good job in the past couple of months. He'll sometimes push out this idea that Russia wants peace and they're ready to negotiate, even though they've you know, taken, what, 16% or so of Ukrainian lands and done all these war crimes. But the CIA director made a good point, which is that if we don't fund Ukraine to keep them with ammunition, then he will have almost no incentive to negotiate as Putin tries to begin to make some retaking of ground in Ukraine. So for those, I know those people who say, hey, they just need to have negotiations and quit fighting. Let's save lives. I totally get that point. 
But at the same time, when you show too much weakness, if you incentivize Russia not seeking peace, you, you can show too much weakness. So I did want to make sure I made that point because the CIA director did make that outstanding point in a column. So let's talk some Ukraine news. One of the biggest stories this week, and there's a couple of big ones, but the first one I want to get to is the president of Ukraine, Zelensky, has announced that he wants to dismiss the head of the army, the top military commander. Now, this has been going on for a few months, going all the way back to November, and the longtime listeners of the show will remember that back in November when Zeluzny, the head of Ukraine's military, did an article with the with the Economist. I went into a lot of detail about that because he really laid out some shocking statements in that that the war wasn't going well. And this is when there was a lot of talk about the counteroffensive. And he started using the word stalemate. And I said back then, "Holy cow! Will Zelensky, who was blindsided by this article, will he fire Zeluzny? Even though Zeluzny is very popular in Ukraine." Still to this day, he's very popular. So now you fast forward. We're at the end of January. I, w- I thought maybe he was safe, and I haven't mentioned that since then. But it has come out that Zelensky has asked for his resignation. Now, this story's been playing out over a couple of days. Now, initially, as of now, Zeluzny declined the resignation and said he would not resign. Now, lots of folks are saying that Zelensky offered him another position. He declined that as well. So I did lots of research on this just before the show. The latest I've heard is that since he will not resign, he will be fired. So we'll see what happens later this week. It's possibly going to happen Friday, Thursday, Friday. It's definitely a power struggle between two of the most powerful people inside Ukraine. But Zelensky has apparently made up his decision. Zelensky is very popular himself. It seems like it would have been a a good move by him to offer another position. That's something I probably wouldn't even have thought of. But I guess Zelensky has turned that down. So we'll see what happens. But that is a big, big decision. And I knew it was big back in November. I guess I thought they had mostly patched up. But it has come to a head, and so probably by the next time that we talk next week, Zeluzny will no longer be the head of the Ukrainian military. I want to mention one other big thing about Ukraine news. This was an exclusive article from the Washington Post. And I just want to actually, let me just read part of this. I'm just going to read a couple of lines if you'll be patient. Still hurting from last year's failed counteroffensive in Ukraine, the Biden administration is putting together a new strategy that will de-emphasize winning back territory and focus instead on helping Ukraine fend off new Russian advances while moving toward a long-term goal of strengthening its fighting force and economy. The emerging plan is a sharp change from last year when the U.S. and allied militaries rushed training and sophisticated equipment to Ukraine in hopes that it could quickly push back Russian forces occupying eastern and southern Ukraine. That effort foundered largely on Russia's heavily fortified minefields and frontline trenches. 
And then this quote is from a senior administration official who talked to the Washington Post off record, quote, it's pretty clear that it will be difficult for them to try to mount the same kind of major push on all fronts that they tried to do last year. So this is obviously pretty big news because everyone who's in support of Ukraine had hoped that Ukraine could have a successful counteroffensive this last year and then possibly prepare for one into the spring of 2024. Unfortunately, they've been dealing with limited ammo, lots of funding uncertainty because the United States, one of the largest suppliers of Ukraine, has not been able to get anything through Congress since the end of November or December. Now, the European Union has actually surpassed the United States, so it's not like it's just the U.S., but they've been stalled a bit by Hungary, so Putin has been very optimistic about his possibilities in Ukraine. And so at this point, it's just interesting that this article came out because I think it's just a reality. Ukraine is on its heels. It's having to play defense as it's dealing with limited amounts of artillery, shells, and, you know, it just kind of has... I think it's seeped in to Ukraine that, you know, wars are an emotional thing. And to see the funding and promise of assistance in the United States to be held up for so much longer than we all expected. I know all of you guys who've been listening to me week after week, I kept thinking, hey, they got to pass something in December or beginning of January after the new year. They just went home for Christmas, right? And Congress just has not. And so, unfortunately... The things that are happening in Washington and the things that are happening in Brussels in the European Union, those delays have real effects on the battlefield. And so that's what we're seeing. Let's move to one other story in Ukraine. There was another prisoner exchange. More than uh, 195 Russian soldiers were traded for 195 Ukrainian soldiers. That's great news for Ukraine. And I also wanted to update the article from a week or so ago about the plane that was shot down. Again, Russia has provided no evidence that POWs were on board. And I'm increasingly convinced, or I guess I'm increasingly skeptical that there were Russian or Ukrainian POWs on board. Some of the reporting I saw that Russia listed some POWs that were dead from this plane getting shot down. These were people who had already been traded back to Ukraine. So Russia, as it so often does, they're so, they bungle things. They're so incompetent that they couldn't even pull off this psyop of saying that Ukraine had killed all these Ukrainian soldiers who were POWs. Their planning was so bad that after this plane went down, they couldn't even come up with some decent names or some decent proof that these high number of Ukrainian POWs had died. There was also some satellite imagery of that plane wreck, and analysts say that there wasn't the type of evidence on the ground that would show that there were lots of bodies who had died. So yet again, as I say almost every week, Russia puts out falsehood after falsehood, and it's hard to take almost anything they say seriously because most of the time it's just flat-out lies or propaganda. Just a quick reminder before we get to the next bit of news, if you want to support the show, you can do so every easily by supporting the show with $5 a month contribution. You can do that through Substack. You can do that through Patreon. You can even send a tip through Patreon but or through Venmo. But again, if you enjoy the show, 
It's easy to support. Uh, I do have big dreams for the show. Would love to do more frequency, love to do some other things. But like most of you guys listening, I work a full-time job. And so doing getting to where I want to get, it's going to take a little bit of help. If you enjoy it, again, it's easy to support. Come and go as you please. I really appreciate all those who already are paying. It does mean a lot. All right, before we leave Ukraine and move to China, there's just one brief thing I want to mention. If you look into the episode notes on Substack, which you can find a link to wherever you're listening to me from, I put a photo in there because I just wanted to show you guys something. We've talked about for months and months the drones that come from Iran called the Shahid Drones. And the interesting thing is that for months and months, this entire time, I always assumed these drones were like maybe from the size of your waist to your head, maybe like four foot or so. But they actually managed to capture one or shoot one down that stayed mostly undamaged. And I have a photo showing the size of this thing. And I was blown away. It is so much larger than I would have thought. There are four men standing behind this Shahi drone. And it is absolutely as big as four men. And you can see how large the warhead is. So it's funny. We have these misconceptions. And I think we think about some of these small drones that you buy that drop, you know, grenades. And you just forget that some of these drones are much larger than you would possibly think. So if you want to see a photo of just how big these are that have been targeting the electrical stations and other places inside Ukraine, you can see a photo of one in the episode notes. And it's worth seeing because it's 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 almost, a, it looks basically like the size of a car. It's pretty big. Now let's move to China. And I want to handle this story very carefully. We're just going to cover one story regarding China. We're going to keep it relatively short. The FBI director, uh, testified to Congress this week about the threat from cyber from China. Now, I said I wanted to handle this carefully, and that's because so many news outlets have really blown up this news and made it scary. And one of the things I've always tried very hard to do is never do clickbait, never overly scare people. So I want to handle this story carefully, and I guarantee you I cover it differently than everywhere else you saw it this week. So the FBI director testified to Congress and talked about how China has shown a renewed interest in preparing and potentially at some point launching destructive cyber attacks against our electrical grid, against our water utility utilities, against military organizations, other critical services, And the FBI director talked about that this was a change from in the past. China has mainly focused on stealing state secrets and on espionage. But now they're planning on ways that they could hurt us if we ever tried to intervene in Taiwan. Taiwan is obviously the island to the south of China that China continues to threaten and potentially warn of a future invasion. We have said that we would, although we're ambiguous, it's pretty clear that we would probably get involved and prevent China from taking that island. So China has said, okay, if you want to do that, we're going to do something to the U.S. that would sow panic and cause people to be disheartened and want to not intervene. And so they've been increasingly focusing, according to the FBI director, on getting some of their software and some of their hacking abilities inside our electrical grid, our utilities, etc., So it's a little scary to think about that, and I'm going to counter that in just a second. But the final point that the 
director of the FBI, Christopher Ray, made is that China has a huge edge on their cyber abilities over the U.S. In fact, the FBI director said in open testimony that China-backed hackers outnumber the FBI's total cyber and intelligence resources 50 to 1. So they have this huge lead on us in cyber, and it's a real threat. It's been that way for quite a while, but it's becoming more public. So he testified this week to Congress, and I think he probably opened up some eyes. Now, I said I wanted to be careful on this. And the reason is, is because I don't like to scare people, but also like to just put things in perspective because anyone can do clickbait. Anyone can try to scare you and act like some kind of authority. But I wanted to remind you of something. Two big facts, actually. The first is that the U.S. operated with incredible deterrence with the Soviet Union for more than 50 years because the Soviet Union knew if they did anything stupid or launched nukes, they would be mad. Remember that? The mutually assured destruction. They would launch nukes. We would launch nukes. It would be the end of the world. No one wins in that situation. That provided deterrence and mostly peace, at least between the large-scale nations without some shadow fights, but it basically did provide deterrence for 50-plus years. I bring that up because if China were to do the things that they are you know, potentially capable of doing, any type of cyber attack that attacked utilities, that attacked our infrastructure, the electrical grid, water, etc., the U.S. has said that we it would absolutely retaliate in full. It would be a state of war. So it's not like this is something that's, that China could do without having their fingerprints on and without expecting the full retaliation of the United States. So I wanted you to keep that in mind so that you're not worried about whether this might happen in a day or two because the president of China, Xi Jinping, wakes up on the wrong side of bed. That's the first thing I wanted to share. The second thing I wanted to share for those who have been listening for a bit, on January 11th in the episode, just what, three weeks, two, three weeks ago, I talked about our space race with China and how China, and I, I mentioned a couple of things, and I have this in the episode notes that, so that if you're a new listener, you can hear it again. But I talked about our massive, much stronger abilities in space compared to China. And in that episode, and I went to find these notes so that I could reshare them just briefly again, we talked about how from 2019 to 2023, that's four years, China doubled its number of annual space launches and they tripled their payloads. That sounds scary. It also sounds impressive. But at the same time that they doubled the number of space launches and tripled the payload, the U.S. launched 13 times. So space launches quadrupled and we launched and our payloads were 13 times larger. So we blew them away. So again, those numbers were they tripled the payloads. Our payloads were 13 times. They doubled the number of launches. We actually quadrupled. Okay. So we're doing way more in space than they are. One other thing about space. In 2023, China launched 240 payloads to orbit. 240. That's impressive. That's like almost every other day or so, right? We 
lifted 2,500 payloads. So 240 to 2,500. So I'll just say all this to help put things in perspective because according to the Secretary Hicks, the U.S., as the Department of Defense invests more in space, the they expect that America's lead will only grow in space. So I'm saying all this to put in balance that if China were to do something really foolish, we would just obliterate their capabilities in space. Obliterate it. Like, it wouldn't even, it wouldn't even be a fair fight. So I just want to say that because I don't like people who put these scary stories out. The reality is is that China is a very dangerous country, and America is a very lethal country. It would be almost insane for us to want to fight each other. And so what usually happens in situations like that, the same as it happened with the Soviets for 50-plus years, is that you don't do anything crazy. You kind of do these little moves, and as you see one side start to escalate, you're like, whoa, let's not cross the line. As I've said for months and months, as the Taiwan thing has been discussed for the past couple of years, China does not want to wreck its economic trade with us. All the things that China may want to do, such as regain Taiwan, they have to balance that with the fact that the rest of the world sees, sees China as a threat, the rest of the world is beginning to react and build alliances, and the rest of the world is not going to purchase Chinese good, goods or allow their production to be in places in Asia near China if China proves to be a dangerous threat. So I just want to put all that in balance in, in a little bit of perspective because I don't feel like the media did a very good job of doing that this week. And so I want to be that calm voice. It's something I try to take some pride in. I hope that helps put it in perspective. If you got any questions, you can send me an email. Now before we end the news section and get to the inspiration and motivation part of the end of the show, I've got a, uh, three, six links that I want to mention that you can find in the Substack notes. I'm trying to keep the shows shorter, so here are the six stories that you can read for free in the Substack notes. The first one is that the U.S. is currently talking to Iraq about its long-term relationship. We've covered the past few weeks that you know the Iraqi Prime Minister has said a time or two he wants the U.S. out, but then he'll say off the record he wants us to stay. Things are still pretty rough there. Negotiations continue. You can read about that in a link. The second story I have linked is that the United States and Vietnam, the cooperation both militarily and economically continues to grow and mature. I have a story about that. We're now up to almost $130 billion in trade with them. Vietnam is an increasingly important almost ally against China as China continues to bully these countries around it. Vietnam wants U.S. support and training and facilities, military facilities nearby so that China doesn't get too aggressive. There's a story on that. The third story that you can find a link to is Pakistan and India. The friction there is always decently high. They accused in this past week India of conducting two assassinations on Pakistani soil, soil, apologies. So that was a bit of an escalation. You can read that story. Fourth story I wanted to mention, France has sent two additional long-range rocket launchers to Ukraine. That's great news for Ukraine as it has, Ukraine has more sophisticated artillery. It just doesn't have the quantity or the amount of ammunition that Russia does, but that should help Ukraine balance that out. You can read that story. The fifth story I wanted to mention is that Ukraine has nearly 
95% complete. They have nearly completed a water pipeline to some of the residents that were affected by that dam that was blown up by Russia, which initially Russia said they didn't do, which the whole world knew they did. Later evidence proved that they did. But there have been some people seriously affected by the fact that that massive lake was completely emptied because this dam was blown up. You can read about that story. And then the final story, we mentioned elections in Taiwan, on the, which is obviously the island south of China, uh, last week and the week prior. Because some of the tensions a little bit higher, Taiwan has extended the military service of its uh, current soldiers. Normally it's about a four-month rotation. They're extending that out to a year just so that they are more prepared in case China gets too aggressive or does something. Of course, China is routinely sending naval ships nearby, is routinely sending you know large numbers of jets as if they're going to attack Taiwan. They continue to do things to make Taiwan, you know, to basically scare or frighten Taiwan. So Taiwan is probably in a, a much higher state of military readiness, which one would expect, especially after the elections that did not go China's way. The people of Taiwan clearly want to be free, and they have spoken and said so quite loudly. All right, so this is the motivation and inspiration uh, section. I share these each week because I think all of us could use a few words of encouragement. We all influence those around us. So let's up our game for our kids, for our spouse, our friends, our co-workers. Let's be real. The inches matter and small amounts of progress pile up over time. So this is our chance to get just a little bit more encouraged, a little bit more on fire. So I hope some of these that I read help you. Let me get to the first one here. All right. Here's the quote. A year ago, I wasn't who I am today. A year from now, I aspire to be even better. Personal growth takes time, but all great things do. So I've learned to stay patient. That's a good one. The next one's from Confucius. Quote, it does not matter how slowly you go, so long as you do not stop. That's another good one. Next one. Believe that you are worthy of making your dreams come true. We all beat ourselves up too much, don't we? Here's another one on patience. Once the bamboo seed is planted, the farmer waters it every day. He does that for four years before the tree even breaks ground. Four years! When it finally does, it grows 60 feet in 90 days. Remember, good things take time to take root. But when they do, it's good, isn't it? Here's the next one. Success is 1% idea, 99% doing. It's good to remember, isn't it? 1% idea, 99% doing. Quit overthinking it. Get out there and do it. Next one. All children are artists. The problem is how to remain an artist once you grow up. That was a quote from Picasso. Here's the next one. Work on yourself daily and watch your life change. 
Again, work on yourself daily and watch your life change. So many of us, we know we should exercise. We know we should eat better. We should do better with money. But we forget that you have to work on your mind and your emotions. We can work on those. You can get stronger. You can get emotionally more healthy. And you should. All right, here's the next one. This is just such a great one, especially for those people out there who overplan. I know all of us have a tendency to do that. The quote is, go as far as you can see. When you get there, you'll be able to see further. Isn't that great? Go as far as you can see. When you get there, you will be able to see further. Now, I always like to end with two from the Bible, just because that book has been such a source of strength and wisdom and calm for me this past year, as I obviously went through the cancer treatments with my mom, and then she unfortunately passed. So I do like to share a couple from the Bible. Now, this first one's from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 and 24. Let us hold unswervingly, unswervingly, what a word, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. How can you not agree with that? Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So that again was from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 and 24. Now this next one is from the book of James chapter 4, verse 8. Come near to God, and He will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So again, come near to God, and He will come near to you. I always like to end with this one. Be the reason someone smiles. Be the reason that someone feels loved and believes in the goodness of people. I mean, that's the goal, right? Regardless of your faith, be a decent human being and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Hey, thanks for joining us on this episode. I hope as you go through this week, you act a little nicer on social media and in the world as well. But I know it's social media that mostly gets us in trouble because you can be anonymous on there. But please, remember that most Americans are good. And they will help you in an emergency, even those you don't agree with politically. Now, I have to finish with two things. I want to say a bit about myself and my books. And then I want to say something, a few words for those who may be struggling with PTSD, which I like to do every episode. First, the bit about myself and my books. If you don't know, I'm a military vet who spent four years in the Marine Corps, all of that time in the infantry. After my enlistment, I went to college. I became a journalist. I spent more than 10 years in the news business. Besides all of that, I've written 12 books. Those books include a series about a Marine Corps sniper, several books about a police detective and a private investigator. They're both veterans as well. One's a Marine Force recon guy. One's an Army Ranger. I've also written a few books about war, such as World War II and Afghanistan. 
You can find all of these books on Amazon. Just search my name, Stan R. Mitchell. Make sure you include that R, or you can find the links in the Substack notes. I've been very fortunate, guys. I've sold 70,000 copies to date, and that is largely because of people like you all, because they are independently self-published. There's no big publisher pushing me. This is just people like you guys spreading the word. So I really do appreciate that, especially if you're one of those who have either bought a book or told someone about them. Now I like to end every episode by talking about PTSD or suicide uh, with veterans. Veterans are 57% higher or risk of suicide than those who never served. But this isn't just for veterans. We all can get in some low spots in our life. I just want to remind you I want to challenge you to think about the fact that if you are in that spot, it's just a season. It's a valley. We all go through them. If you're having serious issues, you can call 988-SELECT-1. Whether you're a vet or a civilian, 988-SELECT-1. Or you can text 838-255. That will let you uh, talk to a crisis line responder anytime, day or night. Now, I know most of you probably won't do that. It's hard to reach out for help, and that's why so many of us don't. But I just need to say a few things, be just mean to you for just a second. You cannot give up. You cannot lose this fight. You cannot make your family or your friends plan your funeral. How brutal would that be? It's absolutely brutal. Do not make them feel guilty that they did not check on you. Don't make them feel guilty that they couldn't reach you, that you were in some darker place that they couldn't reach. Don't put that on them. Just don't. Don't leave your wife or kids here without you. You can hold on another day. And if you do, I promise the next day will get a little easier. If you're in a fight you worry you may lose, call someone. Call a friend or family member. I beg of you. Or call 988-SELECT-1. Do not let the devil convince you that you will not be missed that no one cares, that no one will under, can understand what you're going through. If you have some kind of faith, lean on that. If you don't, then cry out to Jesus. He can save you. He can drive out the devil and the horrendous evil thoughts in your head. He wants you to reach out to him. You just need to reach out and ask for help. If you have some other faith, again, lean on it. But if you don't, I'm here to tell you Jesus loves you and cares about you more than you can possibly know. You can reach him at any time just through prayer You can start digging in the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you can download it on your phone. You can find Bible websites online. But I have to be mean. Don't freaking quit. Don't do this to your family and friends. I don't want you to think about that. You're in a valley, but the world needs you. Probably your parents need you. Because seriously, who's going to take care of them someday? I hate to be that mean, but I've been taking care of my parents some. And I'm telling you, somebody's got to do it. Don't leave them to the system. You're better than that. So, don't fall for those temptations while you're in this little valley. There's some mission for you. Don't be isolated. Start getting out some. Join a veterans group. Visit a church. Just stop being so isolated. Think about what you can do in the future to help others. Coach a little league. Help others with PTSD. Run for office. Just don't be isolated. If you are struggling, again, please call 988-SELECT-1 or start moving toward God. If you're like, eh, I don't know about all that, I I have a link in the Substack notes or the episode notes to an article I wrote called Be Like Ozzy, Go Near Your Master. 
It's a story I wrote about my dog, but a lot of people say it helps. Check it out. Can't hurt anything, right? But again, I like to end every show by just saying you cannot quit. Now, if you want to reach out to me, you can reach me at any time privately. My email, authorstanrmitchell at yahoo.com. Again, that's authorstanrmitchell at yahoo.com. You can say hello. You can vent. You can send news tips. I love all those things. If you like the way I look at things, I do put out a political newsletter that's moderate and optimistic. It's called the uh, Political Thoughts from a Southern Gentleman. It's sad. I can't even remember the own site. You can find a link to that in the Substack notes as well. Hey, thanks for hanging with me. It's truly an honor to hang out with you guys each week and to know that there's a few of you out there who are listening, who care about our country gives me great optimism and faith about our country's future. I love you all, but never forget that God loves you more. I'll catch you next week. You have been listening to The View from the Front. My name is Stan, and I am out.